Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, please email us at info at If you would like to support this ministry financially, visit us at capitalchristian.com and click the Give button in the top right corner. Come on. You guys good this morning? Come on. How many of you over here on this side of the room, how many of you are good this morning? You're well. All right. right. What about you guys in front of me? How many of you are well off this morning? What about on this side? Come on. Help me out. How many? All right. I think we got a winner right over here. No, you guys are all winners. Uh, hey, you can turn to, your, go ahead, turn to your neighbor and just give him a high five. Tell him how much you love him. Come on, Dave. We, we like to have fun in church. Can you get an amen to that? <clears throat> five of you believe that. Hey, turn to your second choice. Come on, do you have your, your second neighbor? And tell him, go saints. Go saints, go saints, go saints. The saints go marching. Is that a song? Saints go marching in, right? Uh, how many Saints fans do we have here this morning? Okay, we got a few. Okay. All right, I'm, I'm praying for the Saints. Uh, the, the problem is any team that I pray for, they, they most likely lose. So I try to pray for the teams that I'm rooting against. Can I get an amen? That's weird. I'm not like that. Stop it, Chris. All right. Um, hey, uh, we, we, we're in an exciting time of the month. We love January. And uh, as we showed on the, on the video, we have Vision Weekend right around the corner. So it starts this Friday at 7. Everyone say 7. So 7 o'clock, uh, we're having my, my cousin, Judah Smith, all the way from Seattle. He's going to be here. And I know you love Judah, incredible communicator. He has a word for us. So we want to pack this place out. We also have uh, Pastor Benny and Wendy Perez from Las Vegas. And they're going to be here as well. I know you. How many? How many you love Benny? Come on. He's a... Love Benny. I know you guys love him probably more than you love me, but I ain't mad at you. But uh, he's going to be here, and we're just going to we're going to share some some really cool things uh, Friday, so you don't want to miss it. Uh, you don't want to hear it on social media, but you want to be here. So invite as many people as you can. I promise you won't you won't regret showing up. So we'll just pack this place out, and then uh, the following night, Saturday at six, everyone say six. We're going to go old school. We're just going to have some. We're going to seek God. And uh, we might do some really cool things. We're going to have extended worship. Uh, We're going to pray over as many people as possible. So if you need prayer, uh, Saturday night and Friday night, we're going to just be praying for people. How many believe in prayer? Okay. Okay, a few of you. Awesome. Uh, But we believe that God uh, has something uh, special for 2018 in this new year. And uh, then Sunday morning, we're going to have uh, our two 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock services Sunday morning. And then uh, 5 o'clock, uh, we're also going to have another service, and it's going to be downtown. We want to take everybody in a Meridian campus, and we're going to go downtown, and we're going to pack out our downtown service just for one, ser- one time this year. And uh, we're going to pray. Uh, it's kind of our commissioning service. It's probably one of our favorite things that we do, so uh, please make note of that. Amen? Well, I'm going to close our sermon series out of Philippians, and I'm going to talk about contentment. How many of you want more contentment in life? And so we're going to start here, we're going to end here out of Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read just a few verses. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Philippians 4, and we're going to begin in verse 10. And this is our last sermon out of the book of Philippians. Have you enjoyed this series? Okay, a few of you. That's, that's cool. Um, I also, I want to thank uh, Mark Francie for speaking for me last week. Can, can you give it up for Mark? He did an exceptional job. So proud of Mark. I just, man, he, he just makes me laugh. How, he just makes you laugh, right? He's the, one of the funniest guys that I know. He need, he's not an athlete, but he's really funny. Oh, my God. The devil is a liar, right? I don't know where that came from. No, I just, Mark, I just, I, I just love Mark and, uh, and Rochelle. How many of you love Rochelle? Love Mark and Rochelle. They're the greatest youth pastors that I know. Do you believe that? I love them, I love them. I'm about ready to cry. I don't know what's wrong with me. All right, verse 10, uh, Paul writes, I rejoiced in the Lord, not in my circumstances, not in my feelings and how I feel, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. 
Now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So this is kind of like thank you notes. Anyone watch uh, The Tonight Show? Okay, five. I, I, I don't watch it. My wife watches all the bad shows. Teasing. But Friday nights, right, you got thank you notes. So this is like Paul's, St. Paul's version of, of thank you notes. So he's thanking the church in Philippi for their generosity. Everyone say generosity. So you haven't been around for a while. Uh, the book of Philippians is all about joy and generosity. And that's the key to uh, a genuine human life. It's the key to the good life. If you want to flourish in the new year, practice uh, gratitude and generosity and joy. Verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation. Everyone say whatever situation. And there's an art to this. It's, Paul says this is not automatic. You have to, you have to learn this. You've got, you got to practice. Everyone say practice. To your neighbor say Practice. You, you got to practice learning this, this art of being content in whatever situation that you find yourself in. And then he goes to verse 12. He writes, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty, right? And all the meat lovers said amen. And hunger, and all the vegans said Amen. Eating all those bird seeds, uh, and kel, plenty and hunger. So whether you're a flexitarian, what is that? I have no idea. Or a vegetarian, or whether your team is in a rebuilding season, or your team is on the way to the Super Bowl, right? No matter what season or situation you find yourself in, right, you can learn to be content. So I've learned in abundance, not just the need, but in abundance, how to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself in. Verse 13, he continues, and here's the secret to his contentment. I can, and this is going to be our anthem, okay? Our anthem for 2018, no matter what you go through, no matter how you feel, if you get on the wrong side of the bed and your feels are sideways and all over the place, whether circumstances are good or not good, whether you find yourself in 2018 in, in a plentiful time or not plentiful time, this is going to be our mantra. I can do all things, not just some things. Can I get any man to that? I can do all things through him or through Christ who strengthens me. I love this. It's kind of one of those portable verses. Everybody uses this. I think we use this scripture for our boys when we potty trained them, right? Uh, people use this at the gym, right? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We pretty much use this for anything. The context, though, is it doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in, whether in good times or bad times, God is your strength, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then he transitions a, a little bit in verse 14. He says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And he continues in verse 15. You Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. I love this, verse 16. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So over and over and over again, the church in Philippi gave to Paul. This, this is fascinating. Paul is talking about the secret art of contentment while he's writing a letter about joy in a prison. And if you know anything about prisons in the ancient world, I mentioned this about three months ago. Um, if you didn't have friends and family who could provide for you, you would starve to death. Prisons were like, it was like the end game. You went to prison and you didn't have anybody who could take care of you, uh, you would eventually die. And so Paul in this situation, in kind of this death cell, is writing about joy and contentment. And it's the church in Philippi that gave extravagantly and not only saved Paul, but saved Europe itself because it's through Paul that Europe is introduced to the Christian story. It's fascinating how maybe one act of generosity or several acts of generosity uh, can create a legacy that transforms the world. Can I get an amen to that? thought we were Pentecostals here this morning. All right. He goes and uh, he then it writes in verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases 
to your credit. There's something about when you enter into the practice of generosity, you learn contentment. But not only that, there's, you experience the full life. How many of you want the full life this year? And there's something powerful about that. And he continues, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable. This is worship rhetoric, worship talk. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. I don't know about you, but I want to please God this year. I want everything I do to be a fragrant offering. I want to, in other words, I want to smell good this year. I don't want to stink. Can I get an amen? And the person who didn't take a shower next to you, you say amen to that. All right. Bad jokes, bad jokes. Verse 19, and my God, I love this, another portable verse. This is, we quote this all the time. And my God will supply. Everyone say supply. Will furnish. Will furnish. Here we have really the Christian story in microcosm. Our God will supply. You have everything you need in Christ. Will supply or furnish every need, not just once, but every need of yours. Like if you get a Jaguar, that's great. Jaguar, if you get a house, a bigger home, there's nothing wrong with that. But God will supply everything you need. If it's existential, God will take care of you. If it's practical, God will take care of it. Do you believe that? If you're go, what, whatever season, whatever situation you might be going through, God is enough. So he will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And then we have, we end this thanks, uh, Thanksgiving section with a doxology. It's a praise. And Paul says to our God, because it's all about God, and to our Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then we close out with two more verses. Paul writes, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me, they greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. And then he ends with, and let the grace. Everyone say grace. Let the grace of the Lord Jesus, the king of the world, be with your spirit. Church, can you say amen? Can you bow your heads, close your eyes? Father, I thank you for being enough. I thank you for your strength. Holy Spirit, come and speak to your sons and your daughters. Lord, we just, we love you. Lord, we bless you. And we thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you that you have blessed the New Orleans saints in Jesus' name. And everyone said, we got a lot of doubters here this morning. Hey, um, so I, I, wanna, I wanna talk to you about two things. And this is something that, Honestly, this is the first Sunday in January, and uh, I, I, take, I take this Sunday really, really serious. And there are things that, two things that, that I want to share with you that, that I want to give shape to everything that we do this year, if that's okay with you. Um, I, my, my goal is that these two things that I talk about as we talk about contentment I will be something that we live and that we practice um, before I share those things, um, uh, I, this this summer, how many of you are cold this morning? Anyone cold this morning? We can't, it's actually warmer here. Uh, second service, first service, it was freezing. That's why I'm wearing a jacket. It was just really cold. How many of you uh, like uh, not being cold? I hate it. How many of you? Oh, that's this weird way of saying. It. How many of you hate being cold? I hate being cold. I, I read. A, how many redheads do we have here today? Okay, we got a few redheads. Um, so I'm a redhead. I like researching on like my own species, right? <laughs> hey, we're rare, right? We're only two percent of the pop, one point five percent of the population. And if you are a redhead and blue eyes, you're actually 08 percent of the population. That's me. Like I'm a rare unicorn. <laughs> so stop judging my looks. Come on. God has blessed us redheads with something. I'm still trying to figure that out. Anyways, um, it's, it's funny. Research on redheads, we're hypersensitive to cold. 
So uh, it, 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 I read this a couple weeks ago, and I, I, I broke down in tears. I'm like, okay, now I know what's been wrong with me. It's, it's genetic, right? I just don't like the cold. Uh, this, this summer, I took my family up camping. Do we, anyone like camping? Okay, you heard me tell the story. Camping is for those who want to suffer. Like, so if, you, you're, if you're like a masochist, right, if you love suffering, go camping. And so we went up, we went, we, we decided, I took my family with some, some of our dear friends. Uh, the Maurices were there. Scott, uh, he, we called him the general. If it wasn't for the general, we would not have survived. Uh, but we went up, we had a, we, you know, we actually had a wonderful time, but I quickly realized it was primal. I had a primal experience that if we don't build a fire quick, we're all going to die. And so we, we built this fire. I was reading C.S. Lewis. We're having a conversation. The general, he was just protecting us. He was making food. He was building all the tents. Uh, I helped. Did I, did I chop down a tree? I basically chopped down a tree, sort of. It was a branch, okay? I learned the technique, right? So we had a great time. But I quickly realized that, man, if we're going to survive... Uh, we're going to need fire. It's, it was funny. Like, it was about 1030 at night, and we had this, like, raging fire. Remember the raging fire? And our tent was about maybe 12 feet. I'm not good with math numbers, but 12 feet away from the fire. And we're having a good time. About 1030, uh, we, we uh, stopped the fire. What's the word that I'm looking for? We put the fire out, people. <laughs> we put it out. We didn't stop it. We put it out. Okay. What is wrong with you people? We don't stop fires. We put it out. So we put the fire out. And, uh, man, have you ever experienced this? It's like it goes dark. Like, I, my, mind, my mind was tripping. Like, I couldn't even see. I was disoriented. Couldn't even see my hand in front of my face. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, we got in our tent. My wife's a cuddler. How many of you like to cuddle? Hug and cuddle. That's like your love language. Like you're a care bear with a heart. And you just love to... That's just your love language is Care Bear, everyone. Um, my wife is like that, and it was so cold. No one told us that, like, you can't just go to Target and get a sleeping bag. And uh, you got to go to Target, and you got to get, was it Sub-Zero um, sleeping bags? And so we didn't get that. Uh, we brought a couple of blankets. And <laughs> it's embarrassing. Brought a couple of blankets, and we had some, a couple sleeping bags from, from Target, and it didn't help. Um, so we were freezing. My wife, she, and again, I, I've told the story. My wife, she loved it because we had to cuddle to survive. And I'm not joking. I was so disoriented. About 3 o'clock in the night, uh, Quincy, uh, he woke up, and he's shivering, and, you know, he's crying. He's like, Dad, it's so cold. I'm like, don't even worry about it because we're going to die here soon, son. <laughs> don't. Don't worry about it. So uh, I remember waking up that morning. And literally, it was like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. I'm just like disoriented, got this weird headache. I'm freezing. I want to stop cuddling with my wife. I love her, right? Um, and all I could think of was fire, right? It was primal. I, I just need fire. I don't need food. Right now, I don't need water. Water is probably the most important thing out in, camp, in the camping in the wilderness. But I needed fire. And I think it might have been Scott or maybe Marshall who, um, who were with us who quickly built a fire, and I remember getting out of, putting my jacket on, getting out and getting close to the fire um, because I wanted to be warm, right? And all the people who love to be warm said amen. So there's something to be said about being close, right? Being near the fire. In, in other words, if you want to be warm, um, you got to get close to a fire. Uh, and I'm going to riff off C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, he wrote this about 50 years ago. He said, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire, if you, if, if you want to be wet, you must get into the water. And then he continues. He says, if you want joy, I, I'm going to amend this, and this is my own paraphrase. If you want contentment, how many of you want contentment? Give up trying to be content. If you want contentment, if you want the peace of God, give up trying to manufacture peace. Give up trying to manufacture your feels, your emotions. If you want joy, power, peace, contentment, eternal life, C.S. Lewis says you must get close to, you got to get near. Turn to your neighbor and say you got to get near. You got to get closer, you got to get near or even into the thing that has them. So I think, this is not I think, I know, 
the, the first word for this church, if, if we want to enter into contentment, the key to contentment, contentment is a byproduct of getting close to Jesus. If you want peace, you want joy, if you want to learn or practice the generous life, if you want to flourish in 2018, you have to get close to the fire. Right? Some people are like, why am I so cold? Like my relationship with God is cold. Is it because God doesn't want to meet with you? Is it because God doesn't like care for you? Is it because maybe the reason why you feel cold in your relationship with God and maybe life and following him, is it because God isn't enough for us? Could it be that we're simply at such a distance we can't experience what Jesus has offered us? And I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing that so many people, especially followers, especially followers of, followers of Jesus, struggle with when it comes to the relationship with God, when it comes to peace and contentment and joy, is we assume we can live like everybody else and have all the peace that God offers us. You can't. It's a strategy, in the words of Dallas Willard, that is bound to fail. Like if you want contentment, you have to learn the art of being with Jesus every single day. Being in scripture. Now this is where I'm gonna talk honest with everyone. If you're a first time guest, um, you certainly can listen to this, and if this speaks to you, that's great. But I'm speaking to those, you, you would say, that Capital Church, this is my home church, and I'm talking to you. I just don't think we can survive. Forget about survive. I don't think we can thrive in this new year if we're not daily, and we're not going to be perfect, but daily spending time with Jesus in Scripture. I think we, and, and I just, and I'm going to pray at the end of this worship experience over all of us that God will give us a fresh desire. This is not a word of condemnation. Can I get an amen to that? But I'm going to pray that God will give you a fresh desire, a renewed desire to be with Jesus through his words. It is funny that when I get into God's word, it's like everything in my life gets straightened out. When I spend time with Jesus in prayer and worship, and I'm just seeking God when I'm close to him. I feel his peace. I experience his joy. And my, I, I, I live from a place of contentment. If you want contentment, you have to learn to get close to Jesus. And I think this is kind of what Paul is saying in verse 13. I can do all things. Everyone say all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? It's kind of like going full circle. In, in chapter 1, verse 6, another famous verse, Paul tells the church, church in Philippi, man, what God has started, it's a good work. Everyone say good work. What God has started in you, he will bring it to completion. He will finish it. Why? Because our sufficiency is not based on ourself. Our sufficiency is rooted in King Jesus. So I think our New Year's resolution, is it okay if I preach this morning? Like I think our New Year's resolution should not be, and it's okay if you want to make more money, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think that should be our New Year's, New Year's resolution. I don't think it should be just, hey, I, I want a better body. And if you get a better body, that's great, right? Um, I, I don't think it should be, I just simply want to be, which I think is a failed strategy, a better person. I think our New Year's resolution, if we really want to learn contentment, if we want to enter into the contentment that only King Jesus can offer, I think our New Year's resolution is to get close to King Jesus. Because that's where we find our strength. We don't find our strength in making more money. We don't find our strength in stuff, in possessions, in what you wear, in your haircut, whether your team wins or lose, loses. Can I get an amen? We don't find our strength in our intelligence. 
We don't find our strength in our talents, in our gifts. We find our strength in Christ alone. It's him. You see, Paul, he learned the art of contentment because Jesus was the centerpiece of his worldview. And it wasn't just an intellectual thing. Jesus was, in fact, the very center of his embodied life. Life for Paul every single day um, um, emerged or came out of placing Jesus at the center. Or at least Paul restructuring his entire life around Jesus, who's at the very center of the cosmic map. Jesus is the one who is in charge of world history. It's through Jesus that the constellations, the Bible tells us, have been made. It's through Jesus that we have penguins. It's through Jesus you have oxygen in your lungs. It's through Jesus that we have people and humans and raw materials. It's through Jesus that we have brains and bodies, knees and elbows and eyes and yes, redheads. Everything, life itself flows through Jesus. And learning contentment starts with restructuring your entire life about being close to him. And when you're close to him, that's where you experience strength. I also think that when Paul said in verse 13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, honestly, I think Paul, remember he's writing this letter in prison? I'm sure he was thinking about Joseph in Joseph's life. It's fascinating. I read through the book of Genesis a couple days ago, and uh, I was fascinated with Joseph. It's like God took Joseph through, not around, everyone say through, He didn't take him around. He took him through this labyrinth of false accusation and betrayal and dehumanized circumstances on his way to be a blessing-only person. God didn't take Joseph around difficulties and problems. God took Joseph through problems. And I'm sure Paul in prison is thinking about Joseph and how all things work together for his good. And that somehow God worked, and we talked about this a couple months ago, somehow God took all the circumstances, all the multiple layers of evil in the life of Joseph and produced good out of it. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. Some of you need to hear me because you're in a season of lack and scarcity. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Come on. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, do I walk. This is King James Version. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. True the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Come on, somebody. So implicit within this this poem is the idea, yeah, we might go through seasons of lack or scarcity, but we go through them. We don't stay in them. Some, and here's, I think this is a problem for a lot of people. God wants to take you through a difficult season, and he's going to be there with you. And there's just, there's some things, I don't get it, but there's only some things that we can learn when we go through difficulty. So God's not going to take you around those seasons. He's going to take you through those seasons. The problem and the reason why we get stuck is because we assume the season of lack, we're simply going to stay in it. When God is saying, no, I'm going to get you through this, people get stuck, people get paralyzed in their relationship with Jesus because they just assume lack and scarcity is just something that will define me for the rest of my life. And so they stay in that. When the Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 I don't want you to stay in that. I want you to go through it. I want to give you strength. I want to give you my power. I want to get you through this season. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you got to stinking get close to Jesus. If you want warmth, you got to get to Jesus. If you want 2018 to be a year 
of blessing so you can be a blessing to the people in this city and to your family and to your church. Stick close to Jesus and know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So contentment, it's stop seeking to be content. Stop trying to manufacture peace. What, what you need more than the peace of God, you need the God of peace. And as you maintain a close relationship with Jesus, you'll experience his contentment. That's number one. Number two, I just got, this, I'm a simple man, so this is my last, my wife laughed at me. Actually, my mind is really complicated. <laughs> she knows really well. But number two is if you want contentment, you got you have to practice a generous life. Number one, you gotta, you gotta learn the art of being with Jesus. But number two, you have to practice the art of generosity. Uh, the reason, um, I'll say the biggest problem to, for, for contentment is scarcity. And I, I wanna talk about this really quick. Um, we live in an age of discontentment largely because of our relationship with money. Somebody like, oh, he went there. Yeah, I'm going to talk about money. Let me just say this really quick as an aside. Jesus, uh, I, I'm not like, I don't like talking about money a lot, but Jesus, if you take all the bulk of his teaching, if you take all of his teachings, uh, he talked about money, wealth, stewardship, greed 25% of the time. So that means that if Jesus ran this church, which he does, can I get an amen? But if it was here, he would teach about money once a month in any given fiscal year. So Jesus, he, he talked a lot about money. And, uh, you know, I don't always talk about money, but I think the reason many people are discontented is because of their relationship with money. Now, let me just say this really quick. Money's not the problem. Stuff is not the problem. Possessions, like you got this car, you got those skinnies, you got wh whatever. That, <laughs> that was funny. All right, anyways. <laughs> Right, you got stuff, that, that, that's not the problem. Our relationship and the way we see our stuff is the problem. In fact, the problem with money and stuff and possessions lies in their use. I'll sharpen that up. Lies in their wrong use. And the reason why I say that, because some of you have probably grown up in, in certain churches where they idealize non-possession. Like you're more holy if you don't have stuff. Holiness doesn't depend on whether you have a lot or not. Stop it. God created this world, and this world is good. And yet, how this world is defaced and disfigured is through how we use the goodness of God's creation. So stuff is not the problem. Money's not the problem. It's the use of it or the wrong use. In fact, Paul tells, and I think this is 2 Timothy, right, that the, the, the root of all evil is not money, the love of all money. Now, how many, how many Americans do we have here? You're about, about 18, okay. Got some Canadians. Oh, yeah, right? How many love hockey? Okay. Um, Americans have a problem with discontentment. And a lot of it is because of our relationship with money. In other words, we feel like we don't have enough of it. And if you feel like you don't have enough of money, that leads to, well, I, I need more. And the more you get of money, because for, for many Americans, money is an end, uh, the more you want of it, uh, the, the more you'll want it. And then you'll find yourself, if you feel like you don't have enough, which leads to, I want more, which when you get more, you want more, that leads to, man, I, I don't have enough. You find yourself in this vicious cycle of scarcity. I watch, actually, my wife watched a Jimmy Fallon sketch. We're praying for, I'm kidding. There's nothing wrong with the Tonight Show, sometimes. Uh, but he had this sketch, it's kind of a parody, maybe you've seen it before. Um, this parody on, is it like, what's Family Feud, right? And so they had this question, uh, and it's, it's a legit question, I need, and this is Americans, and the question went like this, I need more of blank. The number one answer was money. I, if, if I have more money, in, in fact, one, one scholar, uh, he wrote that um, we have grammatically changed, these are my words actually, grammatically changed or altered um, life, liberty, and the purchase, 
not the pursuit, the purchase of happiness. We think we can purchase happiness, right? This happiness project is something that we're obsessed with as Americans. But the biggest problem to money and talent and resources and stuff is in fact scarcity or the myth of scarcity. Lynn Twist uh, wrote, and she's a fundraiser and a sociologist, she said this, no matter who we are, we swim in conversations about what there isn't enough of. Our first waking thought is, I didn't get enough sleep. I felt that this morning. How many of you felt that this morning? Few of you. Whether true or not, that thought of not enough occurs to us automatically. We spend most of our day hearing, explaining, complaining, worrying about what we don't have enough of. We don't have enough rest, exercise, work, profits, power, weekends, vacations, right? Money. We're not smart enough. We're, th- we're not thin enough. We're not successful enough. We're not rich enough. Before our feet touch the floor, we're already inadequate, already behind, already losing, already lacking something. And by the time we go to bed at night, our minds are filled with what we didn't get done. This mantra of not enough, it carries the day. And my words have become the default setting for people in the Western world. Like, I was even thinking about it uh, a couple days ago. Man, I just, we just don't have enough stinking daylight, right? I wish we had more daylight. And then I was thinking, I wish we had more snow, right? It's just like, it's like a not enough is something that shapes in a very profound way the American mind. But the good news is that you have, if you're in Christ, you have right now, what time is it? It's 1218. At 1218, what's the date? It's January 7th. 2018, right now, this very second, you have everything God intends you to have. Well, Chris, Chris, I don't have enough money. Stop it, stop it. You have, listen to me, exactly what God wants you to have. You have all the talent that God wants you to have, all the resources, come on, hear me, all the resources God wants you to have. Everything that you have in your possession has been given to you by God himself. Jesus is enough. And let me tell you something, your net worth will not, never will happen, will never boost your self-worth. Like some of you think if I get more achievements, if I get more status, I can somehow like prove or justify my existence to my friends, to my family, to my coworkers, even to God himself. And that's just nonsense. Like my kids, I love my, I love, I have three kids. I love my beautiful kids and they come over to the house. They come over to the house. We send them away for days. So my wife and I can have a life. But when they come over, right, when they wake up, they love art. How many of your kids love art? Man, they just love art. And it's funny, you know, they're making robots. And most of the time, I can't even tell what they, what, what they draw. It's like, I got to, you know, my wife and I, we have to guess at it, you know. And it's, but I love it. We put it, we, we take the art. Most of it we throw away. But some of the really good pieces, right, we, we put on our refrigerator. And we love it. But most of the time, I can't, I can't figure out. What, what they're trying to convey or what they're trying to draw, you know? It's all scribble to me. I think in, 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 in another way, our achievements and our status and making money and, you know, having followers on Instagram and all these things that we assume is a part of the good life, that's all scribble to God. It's almost like God looking at us and saying, oh, that's cute, but... I really, it's, it, it's, it's scribble to God. The one who created, the greatest artist in the world, who created everything, doesn't need your achievement, doesn't need your worth, is not found or rooted in you being somebody. Like being somebody, it's like scribble to God. Come on. What God cares about mostly is are you faithful to what God has given to you. Let me just say, you've heard me say this before, but I think this is important. Uh, one, one scholar, he wrote 
about the American paradox. He coined the phrase, he goes, we have soaring wealth, but a declining state of happiness. The correlation between income and subjective well-being is weak. We are more happy in the 40s and 50s than we are today in the 21st century. Are you kidding me? Like some of you, if I was, if I was to put you in a time machine right now and send you back to like 1981 and all you had was Atari and Nintendo and Mike Tyson's Punch-Out and you didn't have Call of Duty, right now some of you would be shaking in your boots. Right? You're like, ah, no Xbox, right? Like I remember we didn't have, we didn't have smartphones. If we wanted to connect to our friends after school, we had to march to our house and we had to go to the kitchen. In the kitchen, they had a thing called the landline. It's a phone, people. And then we get on the phone and we would call our friends. And if we were lucky, our friends would answer. There was no instant communication. And yet 30, 40, 50 years ago, we were more satisfied. So influence, affluence, money can't give you what you really need. We have big houses but broken homes. David Myers states that the most important thing for happiness is not money, it's having a sense of purpose. Can I get an amen? Purpose, not prosperity, is the underlying factor for having a deep sense of uh, contentment. Isaiah wrote 3,000 years ago about the transitory nature of pursuing money or using money in the wrong way, and he cried out, is why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Money can't give you what you need. Happiness then, hear me, contentment is less a matter of getting what we want than of wanting what we already have. We cannot succumb to, the, to this mythology of the grass is always greener on the other side. The reason why we don't have contentment is because we assume that we're not enough and not enough leads to I need more. And once you get more, you just want more. And it, the underlying factor is that you just, we live with this chronic sense of inadequacy and we live scarcity lives and that's not God's will for you ever. God wants you to live generous lives. So what, what's the problem here? And, and I want to land this plane, and, and I want to pray for you. I think the problem that Jesus and Paul really address uh, in, their, in their day, in their contemporary world, many, many people assume it was legalism. It wasn't. The problem that Jesus and Paul were addressing throughout the New Testament was that the people of God were given a responsibility to be a light to the world. They were called to be blessers. Turn to your neighbor and say, blessers. They were called to be blessers, to be light to the world, and yet God's people turned or twisted that responsibility, that gift to be light of the world on themselves. In other words, they took the gifts of God, what God had entrusted to them, and they used it for their own sake. And that is why God's people suffered is because they twisted the vocation to be light of the world and blessing only people. They took the blessings of God and they simply used it for their own sake. When it comes to generosity, when it comes to scarcity, the point that I wanna make is God is calling us to be flow people. Can I get an amen to that? In other words, God has given everyone in this room a trust a talent, resources, and stuff. And we're called to open up our lives to the flow of God's resources and goods and you call it whatever you want, possessions and talents and skills. Those are designed to flow through us, not to stop with us. Let me say it this way. Contentment, I believe this. Contentment involves not this like perfect state of nirvana, right? No suffering, and so I'm content. That's not, con that's not biblical contentment. Contentment is all about generous sharing. It's about having your life caught up in God's new world. 
It's rooted in a transformed way of seeing money and resources and goods. Just as blood in the body must flow to all parts of the body for health to be maintained, money and resources are only useful when it's moving and flowing through us. When the blood slows down and begins to stop or clot, the body becomes sick. Is that true, doctors? Okay, we, apparently we have no doctors in the house. When water slows down, we have any water experts? Okay, Mark Francie's a water expert. When water slows down, it becomes stagnant, it becomes toxic. Holding onto your money and resources will have the same effect on your lives. God's called us to be flow people this year. If you want contentment, number one, get close to Jesus. But if you want true blessing, if you want true contentment, you have to learn the art of flow. Let God flow through you to the world because the trust of goods in our lives is not just for us. It's supposed to flow through us. And as it flows through us, God's grace then transforms this world. I, maybe, some of you don't like science. I, I love science. Um, neuropsychologists and flow theorists or strategists, um, they say this. D don't tune out. We have aspirin at the end of this worship experience if you get a headache after this. But uh, in our brains, we have, everyone have a brain? Okay. Uh, we have this thing called this, the prefrontal uh, neocortex. Uh, the neocortex is responsible for imagining your future. Uh, it's capable of really com complex thought. Um, what you wrestle with infinity and existential thoughts. And how many philosophers do we have here? Okay, we got a few. Okay, four. Mark Francie, put your hand down, son. I love, I love him. He's, he's smart. But this prefrontal, this neocortex is responsible for wrestling with big questions. Like birds and reptiles don't have this part of the brain. Um, but it's also responsible for knowing that you're a self. Knowing that you're someone. So flow, flow strategists wanted to figure out about, they, they, had, they did some um, research on athletes. And they wanted to figure out like in 1985, why did MJ, why, why was he so automatic? Like, in, like at the end of the game, right, 1985, on my birthday, May 7th, he jumped over Craig Elo, right, and he shot that 18-foot shot and then won the game. Ended up going, anyways, you, you don't even know what I'm going with. Okay, like Steph Curry, like, you know, he steps back 30, 30 feet, throws it up, makes it. How, how do athletes get in the flow? Like, how do they get in the zone? And they came, they, they, they came to the realization through study that athletes get in the zone or they get in the flow when this prefrontal uh, frontal neocortex literally shuts down or physically it just shuts down. And because it shuts down, you forget you're a self. All the fear, all the anxiety, just it just goes. And I think this is a picture of how we're called to live our lives in this new year. That when you stop looking at your money and your resources and your goods as something to accumulate for yourself. And you realize that even though you might not have enough, we all start at different points. Some of you have a lot, that's great. Some of you don't have a lot, that's great. It, it's not the amount, can I get amen, that you have. But what you have right now, God has entrusted you with. And flow is opening up your life to whatever you have opening your heart and learning to be generous with your money and your time and your talents. And when you do that, you enter in the blessing of God. And when you do that, you enter into a, content, a contentment that you can never even imagine because this is how God has designed life. Life only works when we choose to be flow people. So this year, and it might not happen this year, uh, and now I'm talking to all of our, our church people, it might not happen in two years. It, it might. It might happen in three years. I don't know. But there's going to be one day as a community, we're going to, I believe this, we're going to raise so much money. I don't know about you, but I have a number, like a million. I believe one day we're going to raise a million dollars and we're going to bless someone in this city. Can I get an amen to that? 
Might not happen this year. Might not happen next year. It might happen in three years, maybe four years or five years. I really do believe that God is going, 2018, if you want to be a flow person and you want to um, um, have God flow through you for the sake of this world, God will bless you in an extraordinary way. And that blessing is not for you, it's for people in this city. I want to be a church, and this is where I end, I want to be a church that astonishes our city with generosity. I want people to freak out because Capital Church are generous people. I want to buy groceries. I want to build homes. Come on. I want to bless churches that are struggling. They might not make it. Come on, why can't we bless them? Lord have mercy, if Ellen can bless people and Oprah can bless people, why can't the church bless people? I'm convinced no one was listening to Oprah and her therapeutic, pan-psychic worldview until she started giving things away. You see, there's a lot of people in our city they won't listen about talk about Jesus. They don't care about Jesus. There's some people that don't care about truth, but they do care about generosity. Pastor Jude Fuquay, and this is where I end, he called my wife and I up and said, Chris, you don't know him, he's just so animated. He's like, Chris! He's like screaming over the phone. He's like, he lives in Ventura, and you know, you know the devastation with the fires and people losing their homes and their livelihood. He goes, Chris, there was a family, a bakery that burned down, and we as a church gathered a big sum of money, and we went to this bakery, and we were told that they were atheists, but we went to them, and we blessed them with this big sum of money. This couple broke down crying, and they actually asked the question, okay, what do we need to do? Do we need to go to your church? Pastor Drew said, no, 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 no strings attached. We just want you to know God loves you. There's no angle. There's no angle. We just want to show the city that God loves them. And when we could show the city through our generous love and directing the goods that God has given to us to bless people, that is when people's hearts will soften to the good news. Can I get an amen? So I went too long. Can I pray for you? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Capital Christian. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. To find out more information, visit us at capitalchristian.com.